It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA to get 20% off. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 515 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, May 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, a bunch of MLB shows as well, and a whole whack of college programs covered with a Locked On show of their own, too. Um, please make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing on all the channels, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya as well. And if you want to be thrown into the draw for the Carlos Delfino framed picture, the Jose Calderon jersey, or the Serge Ibaka jersey, please make sure you get in your iTunes reviews and send me the screen cap via Twitter DM. Sign off your review with your Twitter handle as well, just so no one's getting lost in the shuffle. And I'll be pulling in names, three names, on Friday to give out those three prizes. So please get them in before Friday. And uh, we've got a few people in right now. Not a ton of people, though, so you have a pretty good shot of winning if you put your name in. So uh, get on it. And I appreciate anyone who has already left a review. It's very nice to see all the kind words. Thank you for those. And uh, without further ado, let's get to today's show. Oh, boy. (laughs) The Raptors pulled out a Game 3 win over the Milwaukee Bucks, 118-112 in double overtime. And joining me to talk all about this entirely nonsensical basketball game, it's our pal Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just uh, 
kind of on the high of that uh, game and my friend's wedding and a lot of fun stuff this weekend. So it was good that the Raptors maintained the high and came through. Yeah, you were at a wedding last night. Please detail your experience of trying to watch the game while trying to celebrate the union of two lives. Yeah, I, well, I mean, the union, <laughs> the union was already completed, so it, they, they kind of did things differently. They did the uh, ceremony Saturday afternoon, okay, and then they and then they did the reception uh, Sunday night, uh, and I would say, let's see. It was about it was about halftime when they got to uh, like the big speeches, mm-hmm. which worked out perfectly because then we could actually focus um, <laughs> and didn't seem like we were being disrespectful at all. Uh, so yeah, basically, you know, it was a bunch of tables where you know you just had different people streaming the game on their phones, uh, whatever, whatever apps, um, and. Some people were ahead, some people were behind, so it was kind of funny <laughs> seeing the, the reactions before, after. Um, and then, yeah, once it, once it got to uh, the end of regulation, that's when dinner was being served. Mm-hmm. And so you had a lot of people not going to eat because they were just <laughs> trying to see what was happening. And then and then it goes to the second overtime, and then people are like, all right, man, we got to eat. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um and but no, it actually it, it was funny because we were uh, at a certain point we had gone to the side uh, just beside where the line was to get the food, mm-hmm. and then as we're sitting there, it was like three of us. Each person that's sort of coming through the line around where we are is asking us for score updates, <laughs> and we were trying to bribe them. Is like you want to get an update if you give us some food. Um, <laughs> And so that's that, that's how the night went, and eventually they won. Um, and Kawhi was ridiculous, and everyone was happy, and it just kind of added to uh, the craziness when everyone was ready to hit the dance floor. So obviously everyone was in a good mood. Uh, big cheers! We did like periodical. Uh, well, the MC did periodical, you know, score announcements as well. So it was a big <laughs> announcement when they won. Um, yeah, it, well, we should it should it should also mention that the groom is. A big, big sports fan and okay. a Raptors fan, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, actually, before uh, before the reception, I think he proposed the idea of putting the game on a projector, and then the uh, bride uh, proposed the idea of indefinitely postponing the wedding. Uh, so, yeah, it's an extremely fun night. Uh, made more fun by. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Gasol and Norman Powell, everyone coming up big and getting this win. That is great. I was envisioning a wedding wherein the groom and bride were uh, not basketball fans at all, perhaps even, in fact, hated basketball, and yet all of their guests <laughs> were glued to their phones. That would be funny, but I'm glad it worked out and that uh, there was at least some investment on the part of the groom there. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a blast. That's getting to watch in that sort of communal settings must have been a pretty good time um and it would have been a good time because holy god what a ridiculous basketball game i uh very, very ridiculous i still have yet to really put my thoughts all together about it i mean you can talk about the like defensive assignment changes the raptors made to put Kawhi on Giannis. you can talk about the raptors offense being like 
peak culture reset in the first half where they had 18 assists on 21 buckets and looked so smooth. Kawhi had five assists and one turnover in the first half. It was all so pretty. And then the second half, like what happened to it? You can get into why the Raptors offense fell off at a cliff in the second half. The Bucks offense wasn't much better, to be honest. And it was kind of a rough offensive game for both sides after the first half. But all of the strategy, all of whatever, it, do, it just kind of seems like this game is beyond analysis. And it's just like one of those things that just happens because there were, I don't know, a dozen instances in which I would have thought the Raptors were toast, not the least of which being Kyle Lowry fouling out with six minutes and 12 seconds to play. Yet they somehow found a way to like avoid death many, many times late yep. in the game there I, I don't know we can i guess go the typical way we start these things off what was your biggest takeaway from the raptors double ot thriller win over the bucks uh, my biggest takeaway w- would have to be Kawhi. Yeah. um i think you know nurse really uh went deep into the well with him and we saw him struggle with uh his, his leg a little bit and but it seemed like every time he had to make a play he put all of that aside and so, again, I think I've said this before, but you really see his compete level, his desire to win, um, his will, you know, that that overtime, those, those overtime stretches where he was just making play after play after play, um, I thought he was incredible. Uh, and then the secondary to that, uh, we, I think, you know, probably a tie between Siakam and Gasol, but uh, Gasol really needed to have a game like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, biggest takeaway for sure, Kawhi. Yeah, he was incredible. Um, I think the really remarkable stat is that he was put on Giannis, and then Giannis goes 5 of 16 in the game, and he wasn't on him for every possession. They switched a whole bunch, and I thought Kawhi, Pascal, and Danny Green all did pretty good jobs individually, and then they were really, really aggressive sending double teams Giannis's way, but when Kawhi was Giannis's primary defender, Giannis went one of nine from the field, uh, according to the matchup data, which is very good and kind of speaks to how ridiculous Kawhi can be when he kind of amps up the defense. And, you know, Giannis mm-hmm. having eight turnovers to five main field goals in this game is uh, is really remarkable, and I think it speaks to how well the Raptors defended him. I mean, that was kind of the thing for me the entire game, is both offenses really struggled, but I do think... It wasn't just a case of you know guys missing shots. It was a case of there not being many open shots to take for either team, right? And it was just like a lot of really tight, excellent defense from the Bucks. They were just so tight on every single one of the Raptors' dribble handoffs. They were not getting any separation there. Their on-ball defense was fantastic. Everything Kawhi got, he had to work for. And most of his buckets seemed like they came kind of in transition. There was a very little in the way of him sort of dominating them in the half court. Even in the half court, you know, we had like an, a three that kind of happened because two bucks fell over each other. Um, and, you know, nothing really came easy for either side. But Kawhi on Giannis individually was probably the biggest change the Raptors made strategically. And I thought that really worked really, really well. And, yeah, I mean, I, it, this was kind of poetic, really, the way that Kawhi played out this game after he heard it. What looked like he hurt his leg or his foot or something. Look, looked like he tripped over Ed Malloy a little bit on that first fast break layup he had. And uh-huh. it was concerning, obviously. He seemed a little bit labored throughout the rest of the first quarter. And then it was kind of on and off throughout the rest of the game. Sometimes you noticed it, sometimes you didn't. But for him to play 52 minutes through that and do what he did and, and seal the game for them the way he did with his defense and getting out on the break the way he did, it really kind of felt like 
the ultimate payoff of load management. Like, yeah, dude, we're going to like scratch your back all season long. You're going to, you know, kind of get to call the shots here with with how and when you're going to play and come playoff time, like you're going to be this monster. And man, he was just so reliable and steady and incredible over 52 minutes. By far the most he's played in a game. He was, uh, he was everything that was advertised when the Raptors made the trade and more. And for the load management thing to be paid off with him sort of playing through a little bit of an injury seemed kind of poetic to me. That was really, really cool to see. So forever shouts to Kawhi because, my God, what a wonderful performance. Even in the second half, though, like he kind of fell off playmaking-wise. Yeah. He, he, you know, he had five turnovers by the end of the game, finished with five assists, all of which came in the first half. But it didn't matter, man. His defense was so, so locked in and Kawhi-like, and that is why they won the game. You know, Kyle fouls out with 6-12 left. Let me ask you, you're watching the game on a phone. Um, when you saw that, what was your your, your thinking when, when Kyle fouled out? Because like, he was playing really well. He had 11 points. He was 3-6 from yeah. deep. He had just set up, a, I think, a norm 3, which was kind of a big sort of swing three that the Raptors hit and they went up 88 83 at the time something like that and it was just kind of like a, all right the offense is working again because Kyle's on the floor because he was sitting a little bit with foul trouble to start the quarter what was okay. your sort of uh thought process when that sixth foul was handed down on Kyle and he was fouled out of the game uh I was worried I was very <laughs> worried because Fred Van Vliet has not been playing well mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh yeah just you know the shot making from, uh, you know Fred from Danny. Uh, it, it just felt like you weren't going to get anything from the backcourt, and I felt like that's something you needed. But um, that's where I thought, you know, again Gasol's aggressiveness, taking those shots when it came to him. Um, you know, I, th- I thought the way he started the game out sort of set the tone. He, he talked about his setting the tone in game two with his poor play. He, I, th- I thought he set the tone again with the way he started game three. Um, and then at the end, you know, he keeps that possession alive going up against Brook Lopez and then hits the three right off the bat mm-hmm. um, to, to give the Raptors the lead. Um, makes a couple free throws after on that pump fake and drive to the rim. So... Though that's what you need again you know when Kyle is you know doing all the cerebral stuff and he's out of the game you need the other cerebral guys to do the, uh, their thing and make up for it and I thought Gasol was huge in that today's show is brought to you by Grip6 where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made Grip6 is an easy thoughtful gift for dads brothers husbands uncles grandpas and even moms and wives Make sure you check out the women's collection. Grip 6 is ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com lock. That's grip6.com L-O-C-K-E. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick and roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, Gasol was incredible, man. This was probably his best game as a Raptor. 16 points, 12 boards, 7 assists, 5 blocks, which I didn't realize until after the game on the way home, and I was kind of stunned to see that number. Um, four of eight from deep as well, and yeah, he. I mean, there are still there always are going to be a couple threes that he passes up, but for him to take eight, I think he'll take that every single time. And you know, shockingly, after he hit the first two, the Bucks were like, "Oh, damn! I guess we got to guard this guy." And he uh, used that extra sort of pull to his advantage. He had a nice little drive and kick to Pascal, uh, and Pascal turned that into a bucket off a drive from the corner, and you know, it kind of opened things up, because that's what happens when a guy establishes himself as a shooter that needs to be guarded, and you know, the aggressiveness that he sort of used off of that added threat that he imposed was really handy late in the game. You mentioned those fouls that he picked up, very, very uh, critical free throws that he picked up late in the game, and that was, again, all due be to the closeout that I think Brooke Lopez made on him because he had established himself as a guy who's going to let it swing, sling it off and, and let it go. And so uh, credit to Gasol for that. And honestly, I'm really glad that his insane kickout pass to Eric Bledsoe out of a dunk <laughs> didn't go down as a play that caused them to lose the game because I can't stop watching it. It's one of the funniest and coolest things I've ever seen. It's peak Marcus Gasol being like, yeah, I could dunk it. But I could also <laughs> kick it out for three to somebody who's not there. Um, and I'm just I'm glad that play gets to live in infamy over the course of a win and not in a loss because I think he'd be getting a lot more heat for that now. And that's disappointing because that was a weird sort of video game glitchy play that I would like to see forever and ever and ever on loop because it was awesome. Um, you mentioned that you were concerned when Kyle got hurt and then Fred had to come in. I, I would agree with that. I was not feeling pretty good, you know, particularly good about that because Fred had been dreadful for the entire game. He finished the game one of eleven. His one three came after Kyle fouled out, so that was good. Danny Green's only shot made also came after Kyle fouled out, and those two were like unplayable on offense. At, at times, Kawhi was seeing like three guys because no one was worried about Fred and Danny, and Danny and Fred could not just he simply could not get any separation when he was on the ball. And it was really frustrating, and it just kind of felt like it was all going to spiral out of control, and I was expecting the Raptors to lose that thing in regulation and just kind of fall off the edge near the end of regulation there with Kyle out, but that did not happen, and Fred and Danny, I thought, were so good on defense that it almost made up for the fact that they were like me on offense. (laughs) Like, it was, (laughs) they did a really great job, and I thought it was kind of essential, too, because Gasol was playing on five fouls, and that's another thing Gasol did amazingly. He played on five fouls for the last 15-11 of the game, which is remarkable considering how tired he clearly was. And to be able to you know go without picking up a foul while you're tired and lagging a little bit is remarkable. And he was helped by the fact that Danny and Fred somehow became like rim protectors at times and sort of bailed yeah. out Gasol in times where he sort of, I think thought better of maybe lunging to try to, you know, get an ill-advised block or something like that. And Danny and Fred were, like, both there. Even on Chris Middleton's bucket, I think, at the end of regulation, or is it the first of the time? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like, I think Van Vliet blocked him, and there was an unfortunate putback. But those two were great on defense, and it sort of maintained the integrity of the Raptors, even with, like, a less-than-ideal lineup out there. And this was after Norman Powell fouled out, too. 
Um, what did you think of Fred and Danny's defense there? And like, what happens going forward with these guys? Because they were combined one of twenty or two of twenty in the game, two of fourteen from deep. Uh, like, obviously they have to play because the Raptors don't have that many guys. Do you have faith that they're going to mm-hmm. turn around at this point, or is it way past salvaging? Um, I. I, I find it hard to stop believing in Danny just because he was he's been good for so long, and I mean he's a proven playoff vet and performer, and he's had big games before. So you keep thinking it's going to turn around. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought the three that he hit uh, in overtime, you know, where where you had him sort of come all the way around uh, to get shot off. I think. The Raptors could look to run more of that mm-hmm. and just get him looks where you know he's he's coming off some screens and he's having guys chase him around and I don't think there's been enough of that. I think there's been a little bit too much of uh, allowing the Bucks to get away with just hanging you know whoever it is Miritich or whoever on him and and if Danny's not moving then he becomes that much easier to guard right. So uh, I think there can be some more of that done with Fred. I it's really difficult um i kind of the sad part is these are the performances i kind of expect now it's like mm-hmm. who do you turn to a, a, a nurse obviously doesn't have any faith in jeremy lynn um and so with fred defensively at least you know like you said uh he's shown up in that aspect so uh, maybe you're able to you know sort of hang around in those in those stretches where you know, maybe before the bench was just getting completely obliterated um, because they weren't doing either. Um, so, yeah, I think with, with Danny, um, again, because of his length, his smarts, uh, you expect him to turn it around. With Fred, oh, man, it's <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. You're seeing him take threes that, you know, you're so used to seeing him make. Uh, and he, he's missing all of them he, again he had the one big three um in regulation but i think i think if there were another option i don't know what patrick mccaw's status is uh going forward but I'd, I'd like to think that's at least an option if he's available but if not yeah you just, you just gotta hope for the best the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I guess the encouraging thing is that assuming Lowry doesn't get into the same foul trouble he did, which, you know, obviously you can't assume that, but I'm guessing Scott Foster and Ed Malloy won't be calling the next game, so there's something for Raptors fans to hang on to, I suppose. Um, by the way, there was bad refing on both sides of this game. Kawhi got away with a double dribble, probably. Giannis got away with some travels. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, but with Fred, yeah, he's not going to play the exact number of minutes that Kyle played. Like, they're not both going to play 31 minutes in the next game. You would assume Kyle will outminute fred by quite a bit which is nice and i think the version of fred we saw last night where i mean the offense is like it's just irreconcilable right now that it's just you can't have him out there really and him with the ball in his hands is just death if 
Clay Thompson is like the all-time leader in like dribble to bucket ratio. I think Fred after this playoff run is got to be near the bottom of all, all time in that regard because yeah. it's just it's 30 it's 20 seconds of dribbling and nothing and it's it's constant and it happens every time he has the ball in his hands. So I don't think we'll see him run the offense that much going forward. I think it was more out of necessity and desperation that he had the ball in his hands a lot in that game last night. And I think more more often we'll see what we saw near the end of the Sixers series where it was Kyle playing 40-ish minutes and the minutes where he's not out there, it's it's Kawhi sort of running the offense. So hopefully that's the way they go with it. But like the way Fred played defense, I guess it's okay to have him on the floor. Um, and that justifies a little bit. But yeah, it, it was definitely concerning. Um, and I guess we'll see. And I guess maybe the way you get a, get around that too and having more Fred minutes is just having more Norm in there and... God, Norm was so good last night. And really season-saving, like, did it again. <laughs> like, Norm in the playoffs, yeah. just, like, turning the season and saving it by himself. 19 points on 7 of 13, 3 of 5 from deep, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Like, he was so good when he fouled out. I mean, that was, I guess, instance number 2 or 3 where I was like, ah, shit, this is over. Um, what did you think of Norm's game? I thought Norm was amazing, man. The, again, I feel like with so many of the Raptors, you know what type of game you're going to get from them right from the get-go based on their assertive we've said this about kyle yeah um we saw it with marcus all uh and again with norm with the way he started out um i really enjoy the way he's responded to the challenge of sort of having more plays for him where he's up top and making decisions uh and i thought i think he's doing a good job of that and again, the assertiveness uh, with the shot taking from three, um, it was nice to see him make those. And obviously, he's a, he, he's a different player when he's making his three. Um, and and yeah, again, defensively, uh, I think he embodied everything that the Raptors needed in this game where, you know, like you said, so much of it is unexplainable. But just go out there and compete and play as hard as you can. And that's been sort of Norm's mo ever since he joined the Raptors, and I thought we saw that all all game until he fouled out. Yeah, I thought you could see kind of like the confidence in his eye, almost like on those little pull ups where he kind of like breaks a dude down and pulls up from eighteen feet. Like those are the shots that when those are going down, it's like all right, Norm's in the groove, and hopefully. The last couple of games here have kind of just like brought him back. It seems like he goes on these runs. Like he even had in the regular season, I remember there were a couple of sort of stretches where he would just kind of get into a nice groove offensively and like, oh yeah, you can just count on Norm having 15 a night now. And I, I don't know. I, I wonder, I guess we can kind of flip it towards the next game now a little bit. Like I wonder, do you think we see Norm move into the Danny spot in the starting lineup just based on how they're playing? Or do you think we'll see Nurse kind of stick with it? I, first of all, I agreed, I think, with the decision of Nurse to stick with the starting five. It's a lineup that's been very good and has blown blown lineups out all postseason long. And one bad game, I don't think, you know, derails everything that lineup has built and the sample it has. Like it was a bad game in game two, but ultimately they've been very good for most of this year, most of the playoffs. Um, so I, I had no problem with Nurse sticking with that. But based on how Norm played, based on how Danny played, do you think we see that change at all in the next couple of games here, if at all? Um. Next couple games, I think if the Raptors lose game four, then yeah, I think you might see a change for game five. But I, I definitely think that Nurse will roll with the same starting lineup for game four. You Again, you alluded to uh, the ball movement in the first half, the 18 assists on 21 field goals. and uh, So I think 
you know, again, that starts with the starting unit and how effective they've been. So I think you continue that. Uh, I think Gasol finding his game, if he continues to play like this, uh, that'll be a huge boon to the offense and maybe Danny gets more looks at, uh, as a result. So, yeah, I, I would definitely continue with the same starting lineup. Um, and again, uh, Nurse said that, you know, he, he's not necessarily going to look at starting lineup changes, but lineup changes. And um, obviously... He 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 only he had only so much to work with, you know, in the fourth quarter and overtimes with the foul situations. But uh, as far as the starting lineup goes, I think that's the one unit that you know you can trust, that you know you can depend on. Um, and so I just think you keep rolling with it. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, there's no no telling you. There's no saying you can't play Norm 33, 34 minutes off the bench, right? And uh, I. <laughs> I like the early sub. I liked when he came in early and sort of stood in for, for Danny in the starting five in the first quarter. Uh, I like most yeah. of what the Raptors did in that game. But at the same time, it's just like none of it makes any sense. It still all sort of defies any sort of intelligible, like, it's impossible to explain. It's just, it's, what a dumb game. Like, I was so certain when Pascal Siakam missed those free throws that they were screwed. And I was so certain when they were going overtime that they were screwed. And I was so certain when George Hill got that leak out for those two free throws that they were going to be screwed. And, and after Kawhi missed the jumper to go to the second overtime, I was like, they have to be out of gas now. And it's just one of those games, man. And, then, and Giannis fouls out and things kind of clear out a little bit. And it becomes a little bit more easy to see a path towards a win. And... I I don't know. I'm just kind of in awe of that game. What a dumb, stupid, perfect game. <laughs> like, how about how about Giannis airballing a free throw? That was great. I, <laughs> I, I, I remember when yeah, I just remember that you know that that was that was one of those things that happened you know in the reception hall and everyone kind of looks up like, did you see that? <laughs> uh, as, so. as Giannis might have said, uh, he only had 12 points and uh, he was only two of seven on free throws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's extreme DeMar DeRozan eight, eight free that's throws one game. Thing the Bucks will look back on right yeah 11 missed free throws so yeah um yeah eight, but hey again you you roll with what you got you, you take what you can get and the Raptors have made it a series and uh, now they gotta go get one on Tuesday yeah I mean they were down 2-1 to the Sixers obviously a different order of operations but same predicament they were in against Philly and they ended up pulling it out so um is very much alive. It wouldn't have been if they lost, obviously. Down 3-0 was uh, pretty much a death sentence. But now there's a series, man. And I, So going ahead to Game 4, it's weird. I don't think we're going to see the starting five of the, of the Bucks go 16 of 69 again. I don't think... You know, Malcolm Brogdon, I would assume, may, may start for Miritich. I think that's probably is about time they did that. Brogdon was just like the bane of my personal existence last night, and I'm sure every other Raptors fan. I mean, he only finished 8 of 17. He missed some shots late, but until the end of regulation, I thought, it felt like he had not missed a shot yet. And so I would assume, or I, I mean, I would expect maybe that we see him get into the starting five in place of Miritich, who's been a little bit um, not awesome in this series. Brogdon right. gives him another option on Kawhi as well if they want to, you know, have two guys go at him and it's not just Middleton or Brogdon all the time. They can kind of just, you know, go back and forth. It's uh, so again, I don't think we're going to see that performance from the Bucks again. At the same time, the Raptors' defense feels pretty repeatable. Like their defense was great. It was smart on Giannis. Uh, it was very quick to rotate. It was kind of what we saw 
in Game 7 in sort of the, the tightest moments of that game against the Sixers. It was just on a string. And we've seen that ceiling now for longer and longer stretches. And maybe that's just something they can do to screw up the Bucks. At the same time, I don't think we're going to see Middleton go 3-16 or Bledsoe go 3-16. Bledsoe might go 3-16. But um, I don't think we'll see Giannis go 5-16. Like, it's going to be... Like, they're, they're, the Raptors are in for a big swing of positive regression to the mean for the Bucks. I would think, in the next game. Uh, what do you think... Is there anything strategically that you're looking at for game four that the Raptors need to change or do? Or is it kind of just, like, roll up the same thing, hope no one fouls out quickly, and just like rely on the floor that your defense kind of establishes for you again? Uh, yeah, that seems to be the formula that seems to work pretty well for the Raptors. Um, their defense, for the most part, has been incredible this postseason. That's probably the biggest thing you take away. Um, I will say, though, uh, w- w- the Brogdon and Hill games were really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's something they can ne- necessarily depend on next game. Um, and so I kind of like, you know, the, the strategy of showing Giannis as many bodies as possible. Um, and just, just playing to the theory of, you know, role players, maybe not being as effective on the road and pushing that. And if, if Hill and Brogdon go out and get 20 again each, um, I think you maybe just tip your hat, but I, I, I like the strategy of, you know, maybe daring the other guys to be, uh, to come up big um, on the road, and then maybe you know, maybe at maybe at home you play it a bit different. Uh, maybe in in the Bucks home you play it a bit differently, where you know their role players have been incredible. Um, yeah, that, that was probably an underrated aspect, right? Keeping Ilyasova quiet um, after the after the game two that he had. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the Raptors have something that works. Um, again, I think nurse you know when he's in this desperate mode and uh when a certain guy doesn't have it and he goes to make the early changes and all that i think that 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 you got to continue and maintain uh not just in this next game but the rest of the series everything's got to be desperate mode because there's no margin for error against this bucks team certainly not uh Kawhi, please go ice yourself up dude uh gasol get yourself uh, a nap and an oxygen oxygen tank and kyle please restrain yourself next game from all the fouls Powell too <laughs> and uh, Fred and uh, Danny maybe go do some pop a shot and get a bit of a rhythm going because it's been rough the last couple of games for you guys I think probably more Ibaka will be necessary the next game I know Gasol was kind of the dude that they relied on Ibaka played just 14 minutes in this game he was I didn't think he was as bad as his 2 of 9 line would suggest that he had some good energy and kind of played with like the Ibaka verve that usually Portends a good game for him. It just didn't work out so well from the field, but um, yeah. I liked his minutes, especially in the first half. So I think maybe a bit more of him to give a Gasol a bit of a breather. Um, but yeah, it's going to be again another one of these like fly by the seat of your pants games. And I made the joke last night that there was no seat left on the Raptors' pants because they seemed to survive everything that befell them. And uh, I don't know how they came out on the other side from it, but they did. And Game four is Tuesday, and it's going to be fun. And Vivek, I, uh, I'm sure you'll be watching. I'm sure people will have stuff to read from you about that game. Where can people find that stuff to read from you after game four? The stuff can be found at Yahoo Sports Canada. Um, my written work, you can listen to the podcast, Raptors Over Everything. Um, we, can do, we might do a post-game show. Um, 
because of the magnitude of this game four that's uh, upcoming that is yet to be determined uh so we will update the people uh if we do go ahead with that but yeah you can find everything on yahoo sports canada so make sure you're on there and on twitter you can find uh, you can follow me at vivek m jacob Sounds good, dude. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya. And once again, please send me screenshots of your iTunes reviews with your Twitter handle signed off in the review. And you'll be thrown into the draw for the Carlos Delfino framed picture, the Jose Calderon jersey, and the Serge Ibaka jersey as well. Uh, So please get those in. The draw is coming up Friday, so get on it right now. Big thanks to Hotels.com, Untucket, and Grip6 for sponsoring today's show. And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for coming on, Vivek. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.